Welcome to Season 3 of Trying Our Best, a mother-daughter good place podcast. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Ayla. And today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 8 of The The Good Good Place. Okay, so today we're going to talk about three things. Number one is a guy named Doug Forsett, the so-called blueprint to living a good life. The next thing in this episode is that Eleanor is going to tell Chidi that she found out that they were in love in a previous version, or in actually many previous versions, of the afterlife. And finally, if you all remember that portal, the illegal one that all the demons built to take them to Earth, well, it works, and they're on Earth with all of the humans. So let's dig into this Doug Forsett story. So if you remember, Doug Forsett is sort of a legend in the afterlife world because he got high on shrooms and figured out the entire system accurately. He could foresee how the points were totaled. He could foresee what earned you points and what didn't. And he has been living his life, we find out, in accordance with those rules ever since. So since the 1970s, he has been living what he thinks is going to earn him the most points. What does that life look like, Ayla? Well, he lives off of radishes, lentils, and his own pea. He... He makes it into water and he drinks it. It's gross. And he doesn't ha- he doesn't use electricity. He's off the grid and um he he sort of does everything he can to make to make people happy. Yeah, that's a really good point about him trying to make everybody happy. In fact, Janet recognizes that he isn't really living the best life. He's actually turned into a happiness pump, which is a term in philosophy to criticize utilitarianism. So if you remember, utilitarianism is the idea that you should always do what makes the most good and minimizes the bad. And so the happiness pump is the idea that a person could try to make everyone around them so happy that they make themselves miserable, right? That they just become so focused on maximizing everyone else's happiness that they're actually not making very good choices for themselves. For example, uh, this jerky teenager always comes up on his bicycle and... um, Doug says that um, he, that all he does is just comes and take advantage of him. And he is fine with this. He recognizes it. But it makes him happy, so he'll do it. He does his laundry. He'll give him his shoe so that he can throw it back at him. He'll do whatever it takes to make that person happy. So ultimately, Janet and Michael decide to try to give Doug some advice. And, and Michael tells him, just loosen up, man. You Surely you've earned enough points by now. Like, you can enjoy your life. Eat something besides radishes and lentils. Like, maybe you don't have to have a funeral for every bug you accidentally step on. You're, you're going to be okay. But Doug just looks at him and is like, no. I th- th- And, and we realize in this moment that for Doug, this is essentially a game, right? And he he knows that there's an accountant tallying up his points. And he's like, what if me loosening up is the thing that keeps me from getting into the good place? And then I'm tortured for all eternity. It's not worth it. I would rather be miserable for the years that I am here on earth than all of eternity in the afterlife. And when he puts it that way, it actually is quite logical for him to be miserable for, you know, the 70 or 80 years that you're alive rather than the 
eternity that you are not. And so he he has kind of just justified being miserable now so that he can be happy forever. And um, they can't convince him to live any differently, but they do now know that he's probably not the blueprint that they thought he was. So they go back to confront the humans. But when he gets back, there is quite a surprise waiting for him. So Michael doesn't know that Earth is being overrun with millions of demons. I don't know if it's millions, but a lot. And so when he got there and saw Sean taking the humans, he he got a little mad and there was a whole out war and they started fighting each other and yeah. Worth noting that Janet is the one who jumps in with the fight to save the humans, and she totally is the one who saves the day, is absolutely the winner of that fight. So one thing we were talking about for this episode is why does Sean care so much? Why is he putting in so much work? He created this entire fake portal. He brought Vicky back from her cocoon, and he has all of his employees basically working around the clock to stop these four humans. Why? Why does it matter? I was thinking, if Michael has an all-powerful boss, then Sean has to have one, too. And also, it might kind of be a pride thing. So, he he intended for these humans to be tortured for all eternity. But instead, they're having a good time on Earth. And he, he needs to prove to... All of his, um, all of the demons that follow him and whoever is bossing him around that he can, that he can do it and he will punish these humans. So you make a really good point about the pride thing because Sean absolutely could have just taken the four humans when the demons have the bar surrounded. Michael and Janet are not there because they're still gone with Doug Forsett. And he says, we're going to sit here and wait for Michael to come back. So I can see that look on his face, that stupid look on his face when he realizes I've beaten him. So he definitely could have won, right? He could have just taken the humans. And when Michael and Janet got back, they wouldn't even have known what happened. But instead... Sean sat there and waited for Michael to come because he wanted to rub it in Michael's face that he was winning. So I think this is more about a competition with Michael than it is about doing any particular job. That that Michael is having fun competing, or that Sean is having fun competing with Michael, and that he he wants to continue that that kind of game they have that they're playing. I know, I know why. Okay, so if we if we um. Rewind way back to the beginning, where Michael used to work for Sean. Sean trusted Michael, and, well, I think Sean's feeling a little hurt and betrayed, because Michael hurt him and betrayed him. Oh, that's a real possibility. So um, we'll see some more of their dynamic play out, I think, in some future episodes. But for now, we know that he failed. They did not manage to take the humans with them. Um, but they send some more demons right back in. So that's that our, our humans are going to have to fight them off again. So Sean was gloating about how Doug F- Forsett I think that was his name. Yeah. 
um, how he, um, Sean was so confident that he was going to the bad place. And then Chidi asked why the blueprint of a good life was going to the bad place. And then, in the five seconds where they were safe, Michael says that he thinks the system, where they count the good points and the bad points, is wrong. There's something, there's like a bug in the system. So their new plan is to get into the accounting office where all of the points are totaled and try to prove that something is wrong, that there's a mistake happening that they could fix and maybe um, make the whole system work differently. In the meantime, we're left thinking some more about this episode and what it means for how someone should live their life. And that brings us to our question of the day. How hard should you work to make other people happy? Pause the podcast, think about it, talk about it, maybe even write about it, and then come back. Welcome back. So we're talking about how hard should you work to make other people happy? And I think this is a tough question because obviously if you don't care about other people's well-being, then you can fall into some really selfish habits. I mean, we saw that with Eleanor and the way she was on earth before she died the first time, right? That she definitely did not put other people's um, lives into consideration with the choices that she made. She was basically every every person for themselves and I'm just going to worry about me, you worry about you. And we know that that was not the right way to live. Not only because she ended up in the bad place, but also just because she was pretty miserable and she had miserable friends and she wasn't able to make meaningful relationships. And so definitely ignoring everybody else is not the way to go. But can you go too far in the other direction? So as we saw with Doug Forsett, he made people way too happy, and he made himself miserable. So, I think that you have to get like an you have to get like um, an even amount. Like you have to make you have to try and make you have to try and make people happy, but you also need to take some time and make yourself happy too. Yeah, and I think we have another example of someone who cares too much about what other people think, and that's Tahani. So maybe she wasn't always focused on their happiness because she was ultimately focused on herself and um, how others perceived her, but she still spent way too much time thinking about what other people thought rather than kind of focusing on herself and what she needed. So I definitely think on the whole, the show sh- the show demonstrates exactly what you just said, Ayla. There has to be a balance between concern for other people and concern for yourself. So what if the good place isn't even that good? I mean, I think that you have to make yourself happy. I don't think that if you just plop somebody in a place that's supposed to be happy and good, then they'll make themselves happy. You have to, you have to and I feel like that's the same on earth. You have to make yourself happy. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point, that it's not just your your external surroundings that determine whether or not you're happy, that it's something internal. It's something about the way that you think about yourself and the world around you. 
And that, as we were just saying, it does require some consideration of others and what they need, but it also requires some consideration of yourself and what you need. And I think that that requires some work to figure out because it's not the same for everybody. And it's not even the same for us at all different times in our life. Like we might think that it would make us happy to just not ever have any work to do and to just be able to sit around and watch TV all day and eat junk food. But in in honesty, if you do that all the time, you're probably going to get bored with it. That our lives require something more complicated than that to keep us satisfied. And you can't, you'd probably get a stomachache too because you can't just eat junk food your entire life. So this kind of movement back and forth between taking care of my own needs, taking care of others, taking care of my own needs, taking care of others, that's hard work. And I think that um, we see that with a lot of people who spend their lives working in like activist causes that definitely have dedicated themselves to helping others. There's a lot of research and literature out there about how those people need to be able to step back to the phrase they use for it is fill your own bucket because if you're constantly pouring yourself out to others you'll run out right you'll run out of the energy to do that if you don't sometimes step back and take care of yourself so that kind of moving in and out of I'm working for others right now I'm working for myself right now I'm working for others right now I'm working for myself right now that we all have to kind of find a pattern of that that works for us. So let's get back to the episode. Um, they're a little stuck here at the moment because they're surrounded by demons and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do and where they're going to go. So Janet said that she might be able to take them all into um, her void. And then she said, um, this may or may not kill you, so hold on tight. <laughs> But we do know one thing, it will definitely kill them on Earth. So once again, the four humans who had been restored to Earth to live again are now dead on Earth. And now they're back in Janet's void. We also have, hanging over our heads, the fact that Eleanor did tell Chidi they were once in love. What's he going to do with that information? We'll have to tune in next week to find out.